Aloha, it's Joe again, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I am back again for another of my Curvy Geeky Fangirl recaps. So this podcast basically goes over all of the geeky stuff that I encounter throughout my week. So it's usually TV and films, usually movies or shows that I am catching. Every so often it is a book that I have come across, uh, and sometimes I'll even dive into a little bit of Asian dramas here and there. Depends on how the week takes me. I only have but so many hours in a day. So uh, the basis behind all of this was just to give me an outlet to talk and ramble on and otherwise voice opinions and feelings about the stuff that I'm watching. As a geek here, as a geek of color, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and my website, Curvy Geeky Fangirl, all under the name Curvy Geeky Fangirl. You can also find this podcast through the Anchor app. I am on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music. There's also a Google Podcast now, I believe, like an Android podcast, something to that effect. I'm on there too. Uh, I'm on Stitcher, and now I'm on Spotify. Your girl is rising in ranks, let me tell you. Okay, maybe just in my head, but I'm definitely getting into a lot more a lot more platforms here, and I'm super excited about it. It's wonderful. I also do another podcast with my friend, Shay Shari, and it's called The People of Culture Podcast, where we talk about a lot more than just this geek stuff, um, and it's coming from the perspective of two women of color. If you get the chance to check that out, you should definitely hit that up as well. It's also all over the place. So... All that to be said, I'm going to getting into the recap of the TV series that I have been catching this past week. A lot of Geek TV has started to slow. There's some on the horizon that are still about to come out, but for the most part, uh, this is usually my season for, for a lot of crime dramas. Good ones like Power, Claws, stuff like that. But there's still some geeky shows in the mix right now that I'm catching. So I'm going to be talking, well, I'm going to be talking about Claws. I'm going to give a little shout out to Power around there as well. I'm going to be discussing the latest episode of Humans, the latest episode of Cloak and Dagger. Oh gosh, Cloak and Dagger. And then we're also going to be talking about the new episode of My Hero Academia that recently came out and this new Korean drama I'm catching. This uh, particular Korean drama, which of course I don't have on hand at all, is uh, really cute actually. I wanna called, I wanna say it's called What's Wrong with Secretary Kim? But um, let me get, to, you know I'm never prepared. I'm never prepared to have this on hand. I think about it randomly and then when it, times, uh, when it comes time to do things, I'm like, what, wait, what? There it is. It's called What's Wrong with Secretary Kim? Which is uh, which I'm watching on Vicky right now. So Vicky, I used to be watching uh, or used to watch a lot of my Asian dramas on Drama Fever back in the day. Drama Fever had a lot more options than a lot of the other streaming services, but for some reason that has started to ebb. Not only that, it's a lot cheaper for me to watch these <laughs> through Vicky than it is Drama Fever. Uh, and I'll get into the pros and cons of all of that. I've talked about it before. I've touched on it before, but it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute since I've watched an Asian drama. So. I'll be diving into that as well. So as you guys know, or as you may not know, if you're new to, to listening to this, welcome. I get heavy into spoilers, huge, hugely heavy into spoilers. So let me get that plain and across the board right now. If you haven't caught anything that I'm talking about yet and you want to, you don't want your experience to be ruined with spoilerage, pause here, go catch the stuff I'm talking about, come on back. Enjoy the discussion, join the discussion. There's a way to do that now through the Anchor app. You can leave me a voice recording and I might even put you into the next episode. I'm just saying. So definitely all of that. I will be jumping into my clause slash power review right after this. Hey there, listeners. So this is Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I thought I'd take a moment to let you guys know about that other group I'm constantly talking about and working with, and that is Fan Bros. For all nerds, Fan Bros itself, check out fanbros.com. I actually am a contributor for that website. I post up fandom fashions every now and again, but you should also check out everything else that they've got going on there. They've got wonderful articles covering all things geek. And of course they have their own podcasts and other sister podcasts underneath them that also cover all things geek. They do talk about it from an urban perspective, 
which to me just enriches the experience overall. So if you guys get the chance, definitely check them out. Okay, I'm gonna be jumping into the claws slash power situation. The wonder that is claws. You guys know I love claws. I've talked about it all over my podcasts, all over the place. The show is just so good. The show has tons of twists and turns here, and it just constantly keeps you guessing as to what exactly is going on here or there. I wanted to especially shout out this particular episode because it gave us a nice little reunion. It gave us a nice little reunion between Uncle Daddy and Wanda. Wanda was his wife. Uh, we saw her a lot in season one. She, <laughs> she is definitely... I don't want to say the yang to Uncle Daddy's yin, but kind of in a very dark, messed up way. Can you have two, two darknesses? Why not? Sure. Yeah, we're going to say that. But she got him. So these were two people who really understood each other, between, even as dark and twisted as they got when it came to their drug business and murdering people. They got each other and they accepted each other wholly. And that's one of the endearing things that Claus does. They will show you people who are messed up in the head like they they are doing things that are completely sociopathic like there's <laughs> there's no way healthy relationships are forming but then they will show you the love and caring that they've got between each other constantly you're at battles with like this person is terrible but oh my gosh i hope you get it like i hope <laughs> i hope you win out i hope you get your dreams and that's kind of what the way it is with uncle daddy so uncle daddy I don't want to say he was a huge villain for season one, but he definitely was an antagonist for season one. There's a lot of things that were going down where you're just like, come on, no. So in this season so far, Uncle Daddy's just been at rock bottom. He's lost Wanda. He's lost a lot of power he had under being at the head of the Dixie Mafia. Uh, was he the head of the Dixie Mafia? No, he was the head of his current region. They killed the leader of the Dixie Mafia. So, and again, we still haven't seen the consequences to that. So add that to the next thing of things that are happening. So we see Uncle Daddy at a bar uh, with his boyfriend and he's just in the, he's just sad. He's just sad. He's in the dumps and he doesn't know what to do. Nothing's cheering him up. Boyfriend leaves to go powder his nose in the bathroom. Meanwhile, a lot of animosity is building at this restaurant slash bar. There's a lot of straight arrow types, like these businessmen in suits who probably snort coke in the bathroom, uh, but who are openly homophobic. So they're just over here looking at Uncle Daddy and his boyfriend and just being like, you need to get that gay shit out of here and just being the worst. And it's Uncle Daddy. So, I mean, he can easily take on these people, but he's depressed. So he's listening to them and he's just sitting there in the chair, just like, just not caring about anything. And then we get to see Wanda. So the iteration of Wanda we see is how we last saw her, which was dying on the floor of their living room. She's all bloodied up. It's, it's If the imagery was there to showcase to us that he is definitely not seeing Wanda live. He's definitely seeing Wanda as he last remembers her. Job done. Uh, but Wanda's right there to be like, you know, the Uncle Daddy I know would have done this and this. She even makes insinuations that he would have full-on raped one of these guys to prove a point in the back somewhere. Dangerous times. But hey, this is what I'm talking about. Clearly not healthy things, but they get each other. He laughs at the joke, so... But it kind of picks up his spirit. She basically gives him a pep talk and is like, you need to get your head together. You need to get back in the game. You need to remember who you are and you need to do me proud, basically. And he takes that and he just gets happy and goes on a spree of, of going after these guys. I don't think he's necessarily murdering them. He's definitely knocking them unconscious and smashing bottles against heads. So on the one hand, again, terrible. But on the other hand, you could kind of feel like they deserved it. And also it's nice to see Uncle Daddy back in like full mojo swing. So we get that moment. We also get uh, a lot of buildup with Desna. So this is right after the Quiet Anne episode that we had where a lot, a lot of bombs kind of got set to be blown away. Um, some of them went off in this episode. So... Desna is still reeling from the conversation she had with Dr. Gregory's mom, who now everybody's under suspicion. So her, she's under the impression Dr. Gregory is going to pop the question at some point, And then he does, he does pop the question and it's beautiful and it's scenic and it's like everything she's ever dreamed. And then uh, we get this nice moment where they hit the club and it's uh, Dean's like first dance reveal type of thing. And he's actually a really good dancer. You see him, you see, I love that the show is paying attention to the small details. He's 
playing man. Unfortunately, this is a an actor who's not on the spectrum who's playing an, a character who's on the spectrum. Uh, but they're paying attention to the small details, like the fact that Dean is going to be in a space where it's going to be a lot of noise and a lot of people trying to touch him, and a lot of people just inv- invading a lot of his boundaries. And they t- they touch on it, mind you. It's really short that they touch on it. Um, they do give him some options to like wear headphones if he wants to to do what he's got to do and like try to acclimate to his needs. But he's very intent on doing this as well as anybody else who's not on the spectrum. Uh, and I love the little pep talk we got between Polly and Dean. I love that Polly finally stepped out of her character, which is something they also have been building for the Polly storyline. Like her lies are becoming too much for a lot of people, especially the young girl that she has taken in. So we get to see Polly again. She was in her like, you know, madam private dancer persona. And then she has to knock out of it because Dean, Dean knows Polly as the real Polly. So she gets back into her regular Polly voice and she manages to like fix the situation. And they have a nice moment. Dean does his dance. He's the hit of the night. Desna is all booed up. She's got her ring. She's super excited. And um, other stuff gets ready to pop off. The other nice moment I got before I get into the big stuff that happened uh, was the moment Rola had with his baby and his baby mama. Rola's history has not been good. Again, this is another person that is psychotic. He has a lot of sociopathic tendencies. The first season was all about how he was messing up, doing drugs everywhere, cheating on people, and trying to murder people. And now you're kind of like, oh my God, he's such a good baby daddy. Like, it's just so, it's just all over the place. So you see Rola in the midst of going through it as a first time parent. He's got this child that will not stop crying. The baby is sick. They don't know what to do. The doctors aren't really helping. They're kind of like trying to get liquids into the baby and kind of see where it goes. And of course, the new parents are freaking out. They are freaking out. Uh, Rola takes it upon himself to be like, all right. Like he looks at the baby mama and he's like, we're a team. We're going to figure this out and we're going to do the best we can for our son. And it was just like, Rola. Mind you, this is the girl that he knocked up and then completely denied had it ever happened and then got into a situation where he was being extorted for money for said girl and then got tricked into a marriage with said girl. So he doesn't have any romantic feelings for her, but now they have this baby and now he's definitely tied to her for a longer period than he thought. But the fact that he was able to put all of that away and try to focus and be a good dad, I was like, this, okay, okay. So it ends up actually being something that's going to save him in the end. So the big, well, one of the big drops that we got for the show was that Uncle Daddy, now that he's got his mojo back, has decided to take on Zlata and try to get his club back and get back into being the lead position for all of the mafiosos that are around. (sighs) Uncle Daddy. The plan doesn't go... Well, it doesn't go well. One, Jesna tips off Slata about what's about to go down. Uh, she has the decision to choose between Uncle Daddy and Zlata, and she chooses Zlata. A, because she's rising in the ranks in a way that she's never has for with Uncle Daddy, and she brings that up to him, and he's like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, would, I would never have. Mm, no. She's making more money with Zlata doing things the way that she is, and she feels like Zlata is actually a boss that's actually listening to her. Mind you, she's still in the drug game, which is something she said she wanted to get out of. But under Zlata's reign, she kind of feels like she could do all of this. She could do all this. She could uh, marry Dr. Gregory and take care of Dean and have it all. She's feeling like everything's on the up and up. And then shit hits the fan when Uncle Daddy tries to go after Zlata. After that tip-off, Zlata's ready. So she continues to sing. She's on the stage singing karaoke when everything pops off. She continues her song. Like, she's not even disturbed by it as she's whipping out her own gun and taking shots. The scary things that pop out of that, of course, Uncle Daddy loses terribly. Terribly. He loses a lot of his people. Bryce gets shot. They got to make a run for it now. And now he's attempted to kill Zlata. So Lord knows what's going to happen to Rola in the house on top of that. So now they got to go. They got to leave. They got to take Bryce to the hospital and hope he doesn't die. Zlata was doing headshots for a lot of people. And then when she got to Bryce, she shot him in the chest. I don't think they're going to kill off Bryce. 
not after the buildup between the divorce he's getting with Jen and how they're leaving things. And now like Jen's going to be right there for his recovery. Like this could definitely be the catalyst to get them back together. I don't think they're going to kill off Bryce, but they leave us on a cliffhanger with that. The other bomb was that Desna finally sees what's happening with Dr. Gregory. So this whole time she does not know Dr. Gregory is the lead of the Haitian mob. Mafia? Mob. Yes. Um... So I was thinking Roller was going to be the one to tell her or she was going to catch Dr. Gregory on a phone call. But instead, we get like a double surprise there because Zlata is not, on, not only knows who Dr. Gregory is, she's been in cahoots with him this entire time, the entire romance, apparently the entire romance that Dr. Gregory has had with Desna that goes back to season one. And they're fucking like... What? Like when she, so she goes to Dr. Gregory's house to surprise him after having a horrific day at the club. And she hears the voices talking and she hears Zlata. And then when she peeks into the living room, it's them coupled up on the couch, both not wearing pants. Okay. Alrighty. And they're, and they're making jokes about how he's been proposing to, De how he proposed to Desna and how what their relationship is like between him and Desna. It's terrible. It's terrible. So now Desna knows the truth about what's going on. Or at the very least, she knows the truth about what's going on with Dr. Gregory, that he doesn't really love her. I don't, she, I don't think she knows that he is part of the Haitian mafia yet, but it's a matter of time. So we got that. We also got uh, kind of where we left off with Quiet Anne's girlfriend, the detective. Uh, this detective has Dr. Ken in her grasp and she's trying to flip him. She's trying to make him a snitch on what's going on. She knows, she knows, now she knows for sure, especially after Anne's full confession that Desna is in the drug business. They are working with a Dixie mob and now they're in tied, they're tied in with the Russians. So she knows all of this as a cop. She hasn't said anything to Anne. Her and Anne are kind of back together. Honestly, it is nefarious. It very much looks like, I mean, I think she generally had feelings for Anne because that first season they were so in love. But, on top of Anne drugging her so that she almost gets kicked off the force, she also had leads on what was going on with Desna and everything. And now she sees that Anne has chosen a side. Like eventually Anne came around, but it might be too little too late. And she's definitely using this new relationship or rekindled relationship to her advantage for work. So, oh God. So that's where we left everything. Like a lot of truths got unveiled. And who knows, like there's still more truths to be unveiled, but who who knows where this is going to go. I hope there's a new episode this Sunday. I don't really keep tabs on whether or not it's on for that evening or not because I don't watch it live. I should. I have a beef with Amazon. So, I mean, I watched it mostly through Amazon. I bought the season through Amazon Prime. And usually when it airs that night, they have it the next morning. But recently, it's taken like a day to two days to get an episode of Claws. So, I why? So... I might have to watch it live tonight just so I can catch everything. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I also want to do a quick, quick feelings on Power. Power is a, a soapy crime drama I didn't think I was going to like, honestly. 50 Cent is heavy in it. I got some major in my feelings business when it comes to 50 Cent. I just really don't like him. I really don't like him. And I don't want to support anything he's a part of. I just... Yeah, just, ugh, just, he says a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of things where you're just like, no, no, that's your bet. That's your child. So I was like, I'm not trying to support that. But a lot of people were like, it's really, it's really good. It's really good. And then there was the little scandal that kind of rocked the show. I want to say the third, second, third season. One of the seasons, there's a character that 50 Cent plays called Kanan. And there, there was some nudity that may have happened uh, that he may not have been aware was going to happen. And then I was like, oh, okay. So the show knows he's not great. Okay, I'll admit I'm in. I'm, I'm going to watch it. And that's kind of how it is. Like if you, he plays a villain that you're supposed to hate. So I'm like, okay, I can watch this. So I've been watching Power. And I did. I fell in love with the show. The show is really, really good with ghosts with Tasha, with Tommy, with uh, everybody else that's in the show. Um, and you know what? I can't even think of that lawyer. What's the lawyer's name now? Doesn't matter because she's an idiot. So all of that. This latest episode, particularly, I love the clash between Tasha and Kanan. Kanan is a monster nonstop. He might fool you into thinking he's got a different plan. 
This is a man who full on beat up an old woman to get into her apartment, may have raped her, definitely killed her, and then acted like it was nothing to get to a kid, to get to a kid. So there's that. But basically there's a whole scene where like Tasha knows everything that's been going on. Spoilers, like I said before. Uh, this is after all of the Tariq stuff because Tariq's an idiot too. Tariq is their son. She realizes Kanan was instrumental in the death of her daughter. In the death of her daughter. Like if Kanan hadn't been coming after Tariq in the first place, none of this other stuff would have gone on and she wouldn't have lost her daughter. Like it wouldn't have escalated the way it did. So Kanan kind of meets her in the hallway after she's trying to go talk to Tommy about something. And... Like, the conversation is not going the way he wanted it to be. Like, she is immediately on the aggressive side. She's immediately just not not liking anything he's saying. And his counter-argument to all of that is that she should be grateful. And then he talks about trying to rape her. Like, and there's this whole moment where Tasha, she could flinch. She could flinch back, be scared. But instead, she stares him dead in the face and tells him to try it. And he better be successful because she's going to murder him if he doesn't. I was just like, yes, Tasha. I forget that you can be hard sometimes. All right, Tasha. Yes. Back on board, Tasha Train. You handle your business because clearly these guys are idiots. The show just kind of circles around this idea of Tasha and Ghost trying to go legit. Like the first few seasons were just Ghost wanting to go legit and Tommy and Tasha being like, no, this is how we make our money. You can't do that. And then slowly but surely, Tasha seeing the light and going legit and being like, oh, we could have like uncomplicated stuff. What? And being like, okay, maybe maybe I'll help you in this plan. And then we are going to separate. Because like the love between Tasha and Ghost, like, I mean, there's a partnership there, but there's not much of a romance anymore. So they were like, like for appearances sake, they have to stay married for right now. So they're kind of like, you do your thing, I'm going to do my thing. Cool, break. Um... The end goal was to go legit, get divorced, split the assets, live their lives. That was supposed to be the plan. But all this other messy stuff keeps pulling them back into what's going on, including Tommy. Tommy's one of the messiest of all. He loves the drug life, loves it. He can't imagine doing anything else. He's not built for anything else. He's also a sociopath, definitely a little psychotic but also like really lovable. Like there's these streaks of humanity in Tommy where you see this guy is just yearning to like belong and be a part of a family and just like be able to share that love. But he's also somebody who will kill you because Wednesday or like just do some really sick twisted ish because why not? He is in way of his head with his business. He decided to take up everything after Ghost decided to try to go legit. And it's been nothing but a hail, just shit storm the entire time. It's been a shit storm the entire time. He's had to make deals and broker agreements with groups of people that keep dying. He's either killing them off himself because he gets greedy and he's like, I can run all this. Or he's making deals with people who are way, way higher in the food chain than he is and not able to come up with what they demanded in the first place. So he's, so right now he's in the midst of trying to figure everything out. And then on top of that, he's got some family drama of his own. He's found out he's got a father. He found out this guy is now out of jail. Everything seems suspicious. It's Tommy. He's not dumb. He knows when something's too good to be true. But he also kind of really wants to be with his dad. So that's clearly going to blow up in his face. I'm hoping sooner rather than later. I like to draw it out sometimes. This show. But um, but so good. So good so far. So I just want to give that quick shout out. And I will be moving on to humans. Next. Hey there, listener. This is Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I thought I'd take a minute to let you know about another podcast that I do with a friend of mine called the People of Culture Podcast with Shay Cherie Show. So that podcast basically touches on anything culture through the perspective of two women of color. So we give our opinions on a lot of different things and we discuss a lot of different topics. That's not necessarily only revolved around geek culture. So if you were in the mood for listening to another podcast or to add another podcast to your list, you should definitely check us out. And that is the People of Culture Podcast. You can also find us on our website, thepocpodcast.com. Okay, so we're jumping into humans. I have a thousand questions. Good episode. Good episode. Love the succinctness of these humans episodes. It is a UK series. It's super short, like eight episodes. 
we're in episode six, so they got to start tying up some stuff here. Here we go. Biggest bombshells, we already knew Anatoly was crazy. He had a whole shrine to David Elster, I want to say. Yeah, David Elster. Um, it was really creepy. It was really creepy back then. The little tidbits we got about Anatoly might be lies, might be truth, but he does mention that he used to be a pleasure bot. And Niska used to be a pleasure bot. And we see how adjusted she is. So I can only imagine what happens when you're a synth who's a pleasure bot. You gain consciousness and you are surrounded by a pleasure zone, pleasure room, whatever. But you have a full memory of everything that happened to you when you're regular synth life. So scary. I mean, if anything, I, that would absolutely turn me into a fanatic as well. So we got Anatoly who um, we find out is like the pure, one of the purists. He's either the purist that's leading these other synths into doing Tara's acts or one of so but he's he's on this crazy spectrum he's over there um max finally finds out who he really is so we got that at least poor max poor max max used to be like the hope for the show max used to be like the what no matter how bad things are going it can always get better type of of character and now like he's like in charge and really seeing the world as is he's just like oh fuck like just like it's just beating him down on a regular basis every episode we get a max he gets a smidgen of hope only to have it crushed in front of him like oh poor max so uh with anatoly we find out that he had somebody in laura's house this entire time it was stanley it was stanley the orange eyes synth uh, who was assigned to her by the council. I still don't know what this council is, but by this council um, to help to be her security, to be like her own private security. I have a couple of questions. They kept building up like, they've definitely set it up like we can't trust Stanley entirely. There'd be moments where it was kind of like, ooh, can we, can we not? Uh, but he's had moments where he's shown that he is about protecting Laura and her family. And then we had the big breakdown in the previous episode where she finally allowed him to go into their rooms again. I don't know if that was actually required. So we find out Stanley is a sentient synth. He's actually a green eyes who helped to intercept the orange eyes she was supposed to get. He took that orange eyes place and took that the orange eyes. He took the orange eyes from that bot and has been pretending this entire time. Uh, the good and the bad of that is he is supposed to kill Laura at two o'clock. Um, yep. And, but the bad, no, that's the bad. The good news is that he's sentient, which means he can have emotions, which means that this blind faith that he originally had, because that was the only thing he had been told in regards to counteracting all of the hate they were receiving from the humans, is now being questioned, is being doubted because he's been with Laura and her family this entire time. And Laura's family has this knack for getting these scents to fall for them. Not necessarily, sometimes in a romantic sense, but also mostly in just like a, oh, I can see a world where humans and scents can actually coexist and it's not terrible. Cool. So he was there with uh, Maddie was going, well, not Maddie. The youngest. There's a younger child. I forget her name already. But um, basically, uh, he's seen the family. He's been with the family this entire time. The family treats him like any other fam like family member, basically. Uh, Sophie. There we go. That's the youngest. Especially Sophie. She treats him like he's a regular family member as well. Laura is careful to be respectful of him too, even though at the time they're all thinking that he's not sentient. You know, they're still like, they're still treating him like a person. And so he's kind of at a crossroads, like, do I, do I not do this? Do I, do I not, like, and at the end of everything, he ends up not doing it. Like we get a whole scene where, especially like when they get back to, they get back to the council for the meeting, they're having a huge discussion about a new legislation of for something in regards to the synth. Mia is there to actually voice the opinion of an actual synth. And she gives her speech and she talks about how we can all live together. And she gives Laura as the example of how she has seen it work. And you see it, that whole discussion kind of working on Stanley too. He still has a moment where he pulls out a blade, a box cutter, a box cutter blade from his pocket. Nobody else catches it. Mia catches it. And she gives him a look and like kind of shakes her head and he puts it back 
and then he takes Laura home and you're like, oh, yes, Stanley is going to be on our side. And, you know, of course, Laura is grateful. She tells Stanley she's got, he's got to come home with her. Uh, an explosion has happened also by this point. There is terrorism happening because of Anatoly. Do you remember? I want to say Agnes. There you go. I almost said Agatha. Nope. Agnes from a few episodes before who was just a super angry synth who felt like nothing was being done and was willing to be a martyr in order to get something done for her fellow synth kind. She has been uh, talked to by Anatoly and he gives her a mission. Her mission is to get to what looks to be a memorial. Apparently a lot of people died on the awakening, which kind of makes sense. Society has been, has become completely dependent on synths. So when they all decide or all stop doing what they normally do, it's gonna cause issues, gonna cause some problems. And it ended up causing a lot of deaths. So they're at some, some memorial for everything that went down. We see Agnes looking, kind of like getting her justification as to why she's gotta do what she's gotta do. She's got a bomb strapped to her. And she's just seeing people being absolute jerks when it comes to sense. But then she kind of comes across one girl who's drawing in chalk on the ground about how sense and humans can work together. They could live together. To Agnes's credit, she sees the humanity in this girl and is like, you need to run away from here now. And she manages to get that girl out. And then she has a moment of hesitation where she's, she's seeing everybody and really debating whether or not this is the right thing to do, and then decides, yep, it's the right thing to do, and kablooies herself at the memorial. Of course, the council is witness to this when they see it happen, and they're like, well, now we need to drop the hammer on all these sins. We're gonna release this super secret project. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't sound good. We're gonna go ahead and give it the full go-ahead now that we see all the crazy that has happened. Madness ensues. Then we get to another big point for me, which is Laura being faced with a ridiculous proposition. So after everything goes down, Stanley not doing what he's supposed to do, he's basically warning Laura like, they are gonna be after you now. Like they are coming for us because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And she's like, we're gonna figure it out as a family. So she invites him back to her place. When they get in there, Anatoly and his minions, two other sits come with him and they bring like this old man with them. And Anatoly just gives this creepy, okay, it's extra creepy for me when the villain does not raise their voice, when they don't get mad and yelly, when they just stay creepily calm and stoic and almost rational in their irrational thinking. That's what we're getting from Ana Anatoly. He's perfectly calm in this entire thing and almost a little smug about everything that's going on. And he hits Laura up with this ultimatum. He's like, I'm gonna kill I have to kill somebody today. Somebody's got to die today. It can be this random human stranger or it can be little Sam. And he chooses the little robot Sam after he sees him. Cause of course, nobody has seen the robot kids. Sam's still like a, the only one that's out in the open. So he's just like, I can kill Sam or I can kill this stranger. The choice is yours, Laura. The choice is yours. Here is what I have a qualm. Okay, they have shown Laura going through her growing pains in regards to her feelings about sense for the last two seasons. Albeit short seasons, but they've done a really good job of painting her growth as the character. This is somebody who was very much like everything in its place, not really taking notice to a lot of things, to all of a sudden being thrown into the chaos of having sentient sips and then becoming like a spokesperson for them and being an ad, an advocate for them to also be seen as people. For some reason, we get this get to this episode and now she's forgetting everything that she has stood for in trying to get these sins. And I'm, for me, it felt out of the blue. It felt like they did this just to continue with her own struggle, just to continue with, to continue to add to the, uh, climaticness, I guess, like the, the rise and the crazy that's happening in the show. So for me, it was out of character when Laura decides that uh, she's going to save the random human and not save Sam. So she gives her answer and she says to kill Sam. Everybody knows when you're given that ultimatum by whoever crazy person, and they say, you have to choose two people to die, either this person or this person. You choose yourself. You choose yourself every time. You choose yourself every time. Nine times out of 10 on these shows, it's a bluff. They're trying to prove a point about how one is lesser or one is viewed as lesser or one is devalued or blah, 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 whatever. You choose yourself. You choose yourself. You stick with it. You stick to it. I mean, yes, you could die. But again, most of the time in these TV shows, they're just trying to prove the point. So 
She doesn't follow that rule. She chooses poor Sam. You, I gotta give credit where credit's due for these kids. You don't see Sam's face like fall because he's still a synth, but you feel it. You feel it in your bones that this child is now like super disappointed in the choice that was made. Not only that, but you see Stanley, you do see Stanley's face drop and you see the disappointment in Stanley too because he had started to see the light. He had started to see that human synth cohabitation could work. And here's Laura with her stupid answers. And you even get her son like after she says it shouting out, no, Bob, like terribleness ridiculousness and of course this ends with Anatoly being like I'm not killing anybody today and then turning to these his fellow sins and being like I told you humans don't care about us period we are the next evolution of life they all have to go and he leaves with Sam and he leaves with Stanley and now we're all in our feelings because why why Laura why so I mean it ends with Laura not able to get any sleep. Her family is really upset with her, naturally. And she leaves to take a walk. You see her kind of like wander in the streets. Mia is being held uh, because of the bomb that went off. They don't know if she's tied to it. They, they're they not sure exactly what to do with her. But now they also are super scared of anybody that's not a human. Uh, we also have Max dealing with Anatoly. Anatoly shows up with Stanley and Sam at the hideout. And he puts on his his regular Anatoly happiness of like, hello, Max. Hi, blah, 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 blah. And Max, thankfully, is aware of everything that's happened because he went to look for Agnes and sees that it's empty and then sees the kablooiness. And there's a whole moment where he shuts the gate and you feel it's symbolic of Max shutting the gate on any hope he had about assimilation. So he's pissed, too. He is pissed. Again, you can't really tell. Again, synth. But he's very precise in how he's talking to Anatoly, and he's not smiling, which is pretty much pissed for Max. So you see Anatoly basically taking over. He's taking over the compound and talking all this stuff. I know you don't count Max out. I know that. I'm hoping this doesn't resolve or result in some sort of death wish for Max, because if anybody can turn it around, it's gonna be him. But we're waiting. We also got another bomb that a Maddie's pregnant. So. Stanley figured it out. He could tell by the hormones in her pee. And he tells her. And she's like, crap. Crap. All right, so spoilers on spoilers. So, like I said, the series has already ended in the UK. I read the recaps for the ones in the UK. And they let us know that Maddie's baby is going to be part synth. And again, I have more confusions. So, basically, with Leo, I had to go back and read and see what how he became human. He basically was part synth, like first two seasons was him charging like a synth, talking about how the components in him that are synth related weren't working well with his t living tissue. And he was constantly dealing with that and you know, almost dying all the time. And then when he went into his coma, they took all the synth parts out of him. I don't remember the throwaway reason they gave us, but for something, for something, there was a reason. Uh, so now he's totally human because they had to take the parts out, but, He's getting memory flashes back and, and and still has synth-like qualities about him. And apparently, as I'm reading the wikia in regards to him, somehow his DNA has become entwined with the, with the synth parts of him, even though they took them out. So he's now some sort of hybrid. And now whatever child Maddie's got will also be a hybrid. So what? What? All right, all right, humans, sure. Why not? Let's go with hybrids, absolutely. Okay, sure. I mean, yeah, some of the stuff you have to put on hold, like, okay, sure, yes, of course. We, we could put robotic parts into a human and then they'll become robotic humans with the parts out of them, sure, mm -hmm. yes. Show, oh, show. But otherwise, really good episode, really. I'm excited, I'm, I really wanna know what's gonna happen with Stanley and Sam. I'm really excited to see what happens with that. Stanley just, he kinda looks like a lost puppy a lot of the time. It doesn't hurt that he's gorgeous, so. Also that, um, but but he really did come across as like this really helpful, eager puppy, and then, oh no, all these bad decisions, and then hurt. So it's just like, no, Laura's just dumb. <laughs> like She just had a bad moment. They love you, I promise. So I'm hoping we're gonna see some sort of reunion for that. I'm really hoping for a happy ending with Sam. Him and Joe were getting along amazingly. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what all of that 
goes. I'm going to be moving on into Cloak and Dagger after this. Hey, it's Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to this podcast and also to ask you to rate, subscribe, and comment anywhere you hear this podcast because it really helps me out. Just let me know on what it is that you guys like to listen to or what you think I should skip over. You can also reach me through my social medias. I am everywhere as Curvy Geeky Fangirl. With the exception of Twitter, of course, Twitter has limitations. So take out that A and take out that I on Fangirl, but you'll still reach me that way. You can also hit me up at my website, curvygeekyfangirl.com. Okay, so we're talking about Cloak and Dagger. Okay, you guys, you know I've been struggling with this show up until now. I want to say this is episode six, seven, six. Ugh, it's just been forever. It's been forever. So this show has been moving really, really slow for me. Again, I have no history with Cloak and Dagger other than knowing some very terrible stereotypes about the characters on the show. That they literally have a black man who is a, who lives on fear and has a void but can teleport. And there is a literally shining white woman. Uh, who has blades and can cut a bitch. So, I mean, that's that's it. That's all I know. So, for the show, it is on Freeform. Also, used to be ABC Family. It's very teen angsty. The demographic they are going for is much younger than I am. That being said, uh, a, lot of, a lot of other geek fam that I talked to were, like, really excited about the show. And they feel like it's doing a lot of justice. I think I'm in the minority of just, like, why is this moving so friggin' slow. Why did we need all of this? Especially with it being a summer series, it's pro- I, I'm assuming, I haven't looked into it because I don't care enough to do so, but I don't think this is like a 22-run episode show. I'm pretty sure we're gonna hit double digits and then it's pretty much done. So I'm thinking 10, 11, 12, 13, around there, of that many episodes, of that many things happening. So... We were actually in episode seven. There we go. We're in episode seven of the show. And it is just, um, okay, here we go. So I will say it finally picks up for me. They're finally using their abilities. They finally have some sort of handle on them. And they're finally together for majority of the show. It's not a situation where they're slowly learning about each other again. They're finally on like an even keel. We still have Tandy being stupid selfish. Tyrone... Tyrone basically un- unleashes on her all of, of the ter- terribleness he just witnessed in the death of his brother's surviving friend, or used to be surviving friend, and everything else that kind of led up to that and then how we got away. And she's kind of like, oh my God, that sucks. I need you to do something for me. Like, that's, that's how she goes about it. And, I mean... We got action out of it, though. We did get action. So the two of them use their powers. They go back to um, Mr. Hess, the guy who used to work on the, the, the I don't know what it's called. The brig? The thingy? It was, mm, the boat. They're on that thing uh, that, was, that went kablooey and killed everybody and gave them their powers. Uh, he is stuck in his head, basically. He is reliving the last moments before the explosion over and over and over again. And can't seem to get out of it whatsoever. Uh, They find out that when they're in his head, the stuff that's affecting him can affect them as well. So they have to be super vigilant that they are not attacked by these crazy people that are coming at them. Um, They did give us a little insight into Tyrone's power specifically. So he talks about how um, it's like a concentration of fear that is coming for them. And it kind of spread amongst the workers that survived the explosion. And it turned them into like these kind of like zombie monsters. So it's a a big rush for them to like stay alive and get to safety. And they slowly but surely uncover more pieces about Tandy. So Tandy has been been sad this entire time. This entire time. She has had a rough go of it since her dad died. She's been homeless. There's drug situations. She's got a shit mom. Like, there's just been a lot of negative. And she gets a moment where she could talk, where she thinks she can talk to her dad. For me, I felt like they dragged that out way longer than they needed to. It did not need to be that long with her come to earth moment that, you know, the man she's been chasing forever is literally a ghost. Does not exist. 
whatever. We got that. It took forever. It took forever to get there. Um, but I, like I said, we did get the trade-off with Tyrone's power. So we know it's, concentra- it's concentrated fear, which again, oh, show. So we got that. We did get to, get to see the powers. To the show's credit, it did move a little bit faster for me, even though I felt like they dragged in this Tandy thing for a long time. It was actually, we had other pieces going. We had other pieces moving. So that was cool. Uh, and it resulted in us waking up. So we at least got that. It's a matter of time before the Roxanne Court realizes what happens, questions to see if he has any memory of what went down, and murders him. It's a t- it's, it's matter of time. He's a loose end now that he's awake. So good job, Tandy and Tyrone. But... They were able to accomplish something as a team, and they even have a little bonding moment at the end. And really, that's it for Cloak and Dagger. I mean, like I said, this show, I have been struggling to get into this entire time. But this is one of the, this is the first episode where I didn't hate that I was watching the show the entire time. I know you're asking yourself, why are you still watching this series if you hate it so much? Because I'm dedicated. Because I'm dedicated (laughs) and I like torture. Uh, Like I said in previous episodes, but just in case you missed it, I felt the same way about watching the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's attached to Marvel. And I love Marvel. And I love what they do typically with their stuff. After Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like after the second season, I gave up and I stopped watching it. And then there was like a whole back and forth where I tried to pick it up again and then it didn't happen and whatever. But... A lot of people I really, really respect in the geek community really like this show. And I was like, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm missing something. Up until this last episode, which is episode seven, I felt like I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. But this last episode did pick things up. So I'm hoping the momentum is not going to get lost. I'm hoping the next episode is going to be just as fast. I'm also hoping that we're not going to get any more of uh, Black Cheerleader Girlfriend. I still refuse to learn her name. She is literally there for no reason. Like, we know he's ending up with Tandy. I don't understand why they are playing this game with us. So, all of that. We get all of that. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for Cloak and Dagger. Um, Real quick, I'll talk about My Hero Academia. We got a new episode back. It's the training episode. I'm really excited. It feels like they're going to do the full license arc, which I hope they do. The hero's licensing arc which just looked so great in the manga, and I, I hope it looks really, really good on the show. So that, so I watched the latest episode on Crunchyroll because I gave up on Funimation. They take forever to do the dubbing. They were on it for a while there. They were on it where like if it aired on Friday in Japan, we had it Saturday morning, like bam. But for whatever reason, they started to slack and I missed out on like two episodes. So I watched the sub on Crunchyroll because I, I, I'm dual like that. I can do either show, either way. And I loved it. I love that we got to see them get their, work on their power moves. I love that we got to see the gadget chick again. I will look up her name at some point. But I just love that she gives no Fs about how she does her, her work. Like <laughs> She doesn't have any boundary issues, no, no, no hangups. If something doesn't work, she's like, oh, well, I'm gonna do this again, no worries, and goes right back into it. Hysterical. The reactions between Deku and Ida when she's just feeling on them to like get ideas for, for how to fit their, their armor and their changes to their costume. Hysterical. Hysterical. But, um, but also she comes through. So, you know, trust your girl. So I love that. I love... I love the moment that we had with All Might and Deku and him trying to teach him that, you know, yes, you're my protege and I shared this gift with you, but you do not have to do everything exactly my way. So I love that Deku is now refocusing how he's going to best use this ability and he's doing it with the use of his legs. This works a lot better with his overall costume because it's basically a donkey. So now he's kicking. Get it? Get it? So we get all that. We still have Bakugo being Bakugo and being ridiculous. Uh, but I love seeing everybody doing their training and trying to get ready for, for the upcoming licensing exam. So I'm excited to see where the rest of this goes. This is definitely a series where I feel like there are little 30 minutes we get. It's not enough. Granted, this is a shonen series, so it's not really made for adults, but I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Eventually, I'm going to do an all-anime CGF 
month recap. Probably really soon. My shows are slowing down anyway, where I'm just going to talk about all the anime I like um, and preparing for it already because I'm a nerd and I like to do research. Well, clearly it doesn't come across that way because I'm always forgetting names, but I do. I do some research. Uh, I'm finding out that like all of the anime that I really, really like, that I really enjoy watching, are all like shonen related. So I think deep down inside, I'm really like a 13 year old. So there's that. Um, but otherwise, really good episode. Really, really good episode. I'm going to be diving into the K-drama I caught and also something called the BL drama that I just discovered. I'm, I'm late. I'm late to the game all the time. So apologies in advance. But I'll be talking about that right after this. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about the K-drama that I recently got back into. So it's been a little bit since I've talked about Asian dramas, but I wanted to give you a brief history about my... I guess how I fell in love with them in the first place. Yeah. So in another episode, an older episode, I talk about how I fell hard for the for Asian dramas over Thanksgiving. At least I think I did. We're gonna pretend like I didn't. Let's pretend we're hearing it for the first time. So I got into Asian dramas through Netflix. Netflix uh, back well, not the way it's set up now, but back in the day, there used to be like you know suggestions. If you like this, you might like this. Like right after a series ended. Uh, no, they kind of do that now, but it was before you could get like the trailers and the previews and all that stuff. So it would, it would randomly pop up right under my like own list of things I was already watching. And one of the things that it popped up with was uh, the Flower Boys. Is that what it's called? Now, you see, I tell you, like I do research and then I'm like, just kidding. I don't have Boys Over the Flowers. That's it. That's what it's called. So it came up with Boys Over the Flowers, which is an older Korean drama. I want to say it came out in the late I feel like it was late 90s, but it probably was like the early 2000s. And um, I was like, what is this? Because you look at it, you see the hairstyles being used. You see how the effects are and how the story's set up. And you're like, what am I watching? And then you shut up and you watch it and you get hooked and you finish it. And that's exactly what happened. So I binged that series. Uh, it's like, it's a nice load of episodes, but I managed to finish it in within four days. I want to say I was dedicated. It was really good. It was really, really good. So that's setting me down a spiral to find out what else Netflix has. Netflix had a decent amount at the time. It was like maybe eight total. And then that sent me on a wild goose chase to find out how I can watch more without having to go through Netflix because Netflix was dragging their feet. That led me to Drama Fever. So Drama Fever is another uh, Asian drama streaming service, mostly heavy Korean, especially at the time it was mostly heavy Korean, which was fine because I hadn't seen any of the other countries' dramas either. I didn't know about Chinese drama. I didn't know about idol dramas from Taiwan or J-dramas from Japan or anything like that. Uh, so I slowly found out about that through Drama Fever, actually. So they started to open it up a little bit more and showed more series from other countries it still wasn't a huge huge selection if it wasn't a korean drama but my world was just like what like okay, so i love love stories i love them i don't care what language is being spoken in i will watch it i will watch it nigerian romantic comedies uh, korean taiwanese you name it germans I watch it. I watch all of it because I love it. I love it. Love. I love love. I love love. And I just like to see the comedic elements from different countries and what they bring into these stories. So that's how I got into Asian dramas. I got into it heavy. And that led to the music scene and my fight with K. So like K-pop and K-pop music. I was in it for a little bit. I really loved it with um, To Anyone. That was definitely the band I loved at the time, who didn't love that band, honestly. But I also quickly learned that um, there's a lot of racism in uh, K-pop groups. So that also in the fan basis, it gets real scary really fast. So uh, yeah, Miles J actually does a video about how like his love for K-pop has like changed a little, a little. He still enjoys the music, but he's not as heavy into all the things as they used to be because uh, it gets problematic. So all that aside, I got into this world because of a Thanksgiving that I randomly had some time to binge watch a show. So since then, I'm, I go and I'll binge shows here and there. Um, the thing for me, at least when it comes to Asian dramas, it's like I'll have periods where like it's nothing but good shows back to back to back to back. And then there's periods where like it's not as good 
and I'm struggling to find a show, so then I just like take a break. So I went on like a mini break uh, after I was trying to watch a sh- another show through Vicky. You know what? That didn't even finish. So th- there's a Taiwanese idol drama that I thought was gonna be like older woman, younger man situation. And to an extent, it kind of was. It kind of went down that route, but it didn't It didn't do anything for a while. Let me see if it'll show me. Yeah, my watch leaders. So that show was interestingly called Dear Boy. And um, I don't even think I finished it. Is that, is that all the episodes? There's 20 episodes total. I need to go and watch that 20th episode. So uh, one of the things with with Vicky, which is the new streaming service I use, uh, they, at the time there was like two, Vicky and Drama Fever. I'm sure there's a bunch more now, but those are the only two that I really know about. I did Drama Fever because I loved how quickly the translations were done. Because your girl doesn't know uh, Korean. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't speak it. Um, or, or Taiwanese, Mandarin, none of that happens, so that um so the translations for those shows were usually pretty fast really pretty quick with vicky it is completely volunteer so it's usually members of of the subscription service that are putting their very lovely volunteered hours into translating these shows for people like me who don't speak the languages but want to watch the shows because of the volunteer aspect of it it's not as consistent and it's definitely not as fast in the turnaround for English translations for the shows, which is good and bad. I mean, again, like I said, it's volunteer, so it's completely up to the people who are subscribed to, who are in this membership, to do to do that work. Um, and I mean, sometimes it's super fast, and sometimes it is not. I mean, it just depends on who's on here and who's trying to do it. And again, it's volunteer. They're not getting paid. They're not getting paid to do this. They're not getting paid to stay here. They're doing it on their free time for people like me who don't speak the language. So I am thankful and also, yeah, this is also why I take the breaks though, because it takes a little bit to get the translations up and all yada, yada, yada. I'm patient, I'll wait, but yeah, I end up taking like longer breaks and I forget about it and I get into something else. So now that I'm back into Korean dramas and I, like I said, I need to finish my dear boy because now I gotta find, do they get back together or not? Probably, it's a romantic, it's a romantic show. So they're gonna get back together. So, all that being said, I came across a Korean drama quite recently that got me all my feelings, and it's called What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. So this is a K-drama. It's taking me back to my roots. It's taking me back to, <laughs> to the K-dramas I loved. And usually one of the qualms I have with uh, Korean dramas specifically uh, is that they very much stick to what I like to call the Elizabeth Darcy damsel savior situation and that we instantly have a character who is portrayed as a complete asshole aka a darcy he comes across super aggressive he's not great at social interaction especially with the main character maybe not necessarily in the society that he is around him but definitely in regards to the main character they have a hate relationship at the start of the series and then it slowly evolves into a loved one so that's something that gets recycled a lot a lot a lot um, but you know what? On the one hand, it works though. It works. So, I mean, I'm not tired of it. But on the other hand, it's led to some interesting things with the leads, with the female leads specifically. So every so often we'll get a female lead that I really, really identify with and really, really like. And that'll be a lead that she's always quirky or she's usually like just against the societal grain. She can curse like a sailor. She <laughs> is used to taking care of herself. And they usually give her a situation where like she was raised as a, uh, the only daughter to by her dad. And that's why she's a little more masculine in her qualities, uh, especially uh, at the degree uh, for Korean dramas, which is like, you know, she can make a decision for herself. No, that's, that's being harsh. But Look at those older kid dramas. That's exactly how it went down. But basically, like, she's not as reliant on a man to get things done. And she, like I said, can take care of herself. But they also kind of go back into these tropes of of being taken care of. Usually once the male lead makes their way in and they start to build up that romantic relationship with the male lead and the female lead, she goes into damsel mode. She's, like, getting caught and stuff. And also they're dramas, so we got people with, memory loss and sicknesses like stuff happens where they've got to take care of each other but i tend to really like the dramas where 
they kind of disguise it a little bit more. They kind of... They kind of hide it a little bit more. The character's a little more layered in that essence. And it feels like I'm getting that with what's wrong with Secretary Kim. So we start off with her first episode deciding she's quitting. She's working for a table type person. He's the vice president of this corporation. He's arrogant as all heck. He is narcissistic to the definition. And you see her being very, very serious about a job, very kind to him, but dealing with a lot of ish right off the bat. And she drops the bomb on him that she's quitting after a month. She's going to give him the month notice as required by the company. She's going to help to prepare her replacement. And then she's rolling out. She's piecing out. And that's what kind of is the catalyst for this love story. So you see this vice president kind of go through all of the emotions as to why he's so hung up on the fact that the secretary is leaving him and what that really means. And it's still a drama. So we've got the past history. There might have been a kidnapping as kids. First love as kids. That's another thing that's really big. Like this true love, monogamous, hetero, defined type of love. Like this one soulmate situation. We get those a lot. So it's a situation where she hasn't forgotten the Opa that she fell in love with when they were kidnapped by a crazy woman at some point. And she thinks it might be somebody on the show who is either the boss or directly related to the boss, but she's not sure as of right now. I'm enjoying it though. It's moving really fast. We're getting a lot of really cute scenes. The chemistry between the two actors is really, really good. We're also getting a lot of side. I love it when they have the side characters who aren't cookie cutter. They usually give you like a wacky friend or something. And in this essence, they do. But we also get some nice layers to these friends. So it's really cool. I'm a fan of of the group dynamic where we have the leads, but then we also have the side kids who are also finding love. So I'm a fan of all of that. So far, so good with the show. The show's doing really, really well. Uh, for me, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. That being said, I also came across a Taiwanese web series that's airing on Vicky called His Story One. A capital H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. So there is something called boy love dramas in the Asian drama communities. What that is uh, directly relates to manga. Uh, there are boy love mangas. Are they the same as Yaoi? Someone who knows this, please tell me. Please tell me if that's the same thing. So I know that Yaoi is definitely boy love stories. A little on the detailed descriptive side. So it's it's lust stories. It's like these guys met at a bar. He, he saw the guy he fell in love with. They immediately have sex. We read about it in the whole thing. And then it's about how like that relationship progresses. A lot of sex. And then some relationship. That's usually how I read a yaoi. I don't know if boy love is this boy love series are the same thing. So a couple of things. I I'm surprised this has become a thing. So I was reading an article about how in Thailand they uh, tentatively put out a boy love series. They weren't really sure how it was gonna get, you know, how it was gonna be received. I mean, a lot of Asian countries aren't known for being super liberal. Usually pretty conservative. And they don't, uh, even in their dramas, like their regular mainstream dramas, they do, they very rarely touch on, on gay culture, period. It's either seen as terrible or it's seen as a joke. Like they make the side characters just, just silly, silly, silly characters, which America has done as well. Let us not forget. So it, you kind of see that, but you've been, I've been seeing a lot of growth in that recently. I watched a Korean movie that, uh, not too long ago that was a gay love story. It was about how these guys met through friends, fell in love, and then fell out of love because they wanted two different things and then came back together. It was really cute. It was really, really cute. But uh, a lot of Korean dramas play on the gay trope. Well, they'll make the girl do a whole male disguise situation and then the lead falls in love with her as the man and then is relieved when she's a woman. Like it's, it's problematic. But that's how that's kind of how they played with that in the past. So now there's a Taiwanese web series, and I gotta give it up to Taiwan, especially when it comes to their gay characters. They're one of the first series I came across when watching Asian dramas where they didn't treat the gay characters or queer characters in the show as jokes, and they actually gave them some layers and some story. So I'm pleasantly surprised that it's coming out of Taiwan. And apparently this is a really cute kind of like short series. I think you get like three stories in there about guys liking guys. 
I'm super, I'm going to watch it. I'm super excited to see how this goes. Apparently it went over really, really well to the point where like, I think they're on their third season of this maybe. It is a web series, so it's going to be a little bit shorter. It's not going to be a full TV series. But if they're already doing the web series and they're already sharing it the way they are, it's a matter of time before we get a full series. So excited. I'm excited to see more. I mean, it's it's not just in America that we need to have us have a visibility, especially when it comes to the LGBTQIA community. It's it needs it needs to be everywhere. It needs to absolutely be everywhere. So I'm gonna definitely check it out. I'm super excited to see where this is gonna go. And also speaking of supporting the LGBTQIA community, uh Victor, yes. Oh my gosh, I almost said Andre. That's not his name at all. So Victor from Megasheen. Megasheen Podcast is another geek podcast that is geared towards the queer and gay and LGBTQIA community at large when it comes to geekdom and just talking about everything that's going on. Victor is one of the co-founders of that. He co-hosts the podcast and he's writing a book called Strange Lore. And Strange Lore is going to be a graphic novel and it's all about a, uh, a guy who meets somebody who's supernatural and kind of falls in love with this man. So, you know, we're going to get a queer person of color a narrative. Wonderful. We're going to get a graphic novel. I am down because the romance is in it. You know me. I like romance in my stories. He's doing a Kickstarter right now. If you do a if you search for The Strange Lore, S-T-R-A-N-G-E-L-O-R-E. Strange Lore. Kickstarter. It'll come right up. I went ahead and I already donated my monies. Me from this invisible geek community. And I, I'm sorry if this is giving flashbacks to people who know what I'm talking about, about this reference. I'm still sour. But I love that this invisible geek community has decided to get together. When I donated, it was still in the hundreds and now it's in like the 2000s. And he needs 4,500 to get everything off the ground. So if you get the chance and you're hearing this and you want to support, please, please, please go to the Kickstarter. The lowest one is $5 to back. Not bad. It's not a bad $5 spend, I'm just going to say. I definitely did more because I'm greedy and I want the book. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I did a little bit more one. But if you're able to, do what you can. If you're not able to, please help spread the word. Hit it on your Twitters and your socials and whatnot. I'm super excited to see this project get off the ground and I wish all the best of luck to Victor. I love his podcast that he does with Nick. I can't wait to see what else is gonna come out of this. So all of that to be said, that's what's going on so far. Uh, is Cloak Dagger finishing? I don't think it's finishing up, but Claus is about to finish up. So Claus is about to finish up. Um, like I said, I just got into power, which restarted. Uh, that's really it. There's not a whole other show, a lot of shows. I mean, humans is about to end too. So yeah. So as soon as I hit that lull, I'm going to do a full anime episode. I might even do a K drama one or an Asian drama one where I just talk about the Asian dramas that have meant the most to me that I can rewatch over and over. We'll see. We'll see how all that goes. But that's going to wrap it up here for Kirby Geek Fangirl Recaps. If you guys want to talk about anything else, please hit me up. You guys can leave messages on the Anchor app if you're listening through that. Uh, it gives you a nice little section to leave a voice message. If you do so, you might even show up on the next episode. I'm just saying. If you want to send any questions or comments my way, you can do so at my web on my website, my email address, which is curvygeekyfangirl at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on my socials, Twitter, Instagram, under the same name, and uh, we'll see what we can do in the future in regards to uh, all the geekiness we got to uncover. I'm trying to think if there's a movie or anything that's coming out soon. I want to say Teen Titans Go. I think that's the next big one that's coming out. Um, there's some Steven Universe stuff I would love to talk about, so I'll probably save that for another episode as well. But that's going to be it. So I hope you guys have a good week. I hope you're staying cool. It is hot as hell over here. I'm in the DMV. It's just hot. It's just so hot and swampy right now but what can you do so like i said i will talk to you guys at a later time bye